chapter 9. Wednesday night, when Corey called out of the book of Daniel, which uh, the latter part of this verse, or this chapter in Daniel chapter 9, we start getting into the things of the tribulation that you see in the book of Revelation. But I want us to focus on the first part of this powerful verse of Scripture, Daniel chapter 9, starting there in verse 2. first year of his reign, this is talking about Darius, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jerusalem, the prophet, or Jeremiah, excuse me, and the, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years of the desolation of Jerusalem. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication and fasting and with sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confessions, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy uh, to them that love him, and to them that keepeth his commandments, we have sinned, and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have prevailed, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which speak in thy name to our kings, our prince, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Let's go to the Lord's word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray a moving upon us this morning that only you can bring. We pray that we would humble ourselves before you and that heaven would come down. That you would move in our midst this morning. Uh, that God the Holy Spirit would reach into our hearts and move in our hearts as only he can. And Lord that you would be glorified. So you use me this morning. You hide me behind the cross. I pray for your protection. And Lord that you move in a great mighty way through me. That I would be effortless. That you would be exalted. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask you. Amen. Throughout all the word of God, you will be hard-pressed to find anyone that was a bigger prayer warrior than Daniel. It's just what he was. Daniel actually had visions of what was uh, the uh, John got to go into heaven and saw in the book of Revelation. Daniel actually prophesied of those very things. He had such an insight. Well, why? How was he able to see these things? Well, through the moving of the Holy Spirit, but I believe that uh, Daniel was a prayer warrior that none was above. And something that went on in his life, I want us to think of this morning. I want to give a small background of what's happening here. And the first point of the sermon this morning is, is the time to pray. We're going to look at Daniel, how he approached prayer. And there was a time to pray. Daniel was a slave. He was enslaved at the age of 14 to 16 years old. That Jerusalem had been conquered. Nebuchadnezzar come in and the uh, Babylonian Empire had conquered Jerusalem. And he was, uh, uh, he was 14 to 16 years of age. By the time he's giving us this, when we're hearing of Daniel now, he's on the other side of 80. Now, one thing about Daniel is that we know this. Daniel 
depended on prayer from his youth. We can see that all through the book of Daniel. He depended upon prayer. It was something that was a, a characterized his life. It was something that, whether anything else happened, Daniel would be in contact. Daniel would be in prayer with his God. That's what he would do. We know that for a fact. I want you to think on that. He depended on prayer his entire life. He was taken from his home and slaved. You know what Daniel done? You know what he does, Brother Chuck? Prayed. They mutilated his body. You know what he done? Prayed. They persecuted him and tried to have him killed. You know what he done? Prayed. He became a statesman, a prime minister of the uh, world's empire. From a slave that now he's connected directly to the king. And you know what he's gone through all this prestige and all the fine luxuries that he was partaking of now? He prayed. You could not stop him. Couldn't stop him. Threaten him with death? Prayed. Could not stop him. The path from in his home, wherever it may have been, that led to his prayer closet was beaten down. You can believe that. Beaten down. He was a man of prayer. Something that I see in that. So I thought on this. I meditated on this, this passage of scripture uh, ever since Wednesday morning. I sat and meditated. Pray, uh, prayed over and read over this passage of scripture for the Lord to give me what is telling us is Calvary this morning. I'm excited to tell you that he spoke to me. I know what he wants us to have this morning. And as I thought on that way, uh, I looked at my own life and the way that I see so many others is, is um, we're not characterized by prayer. We miss that ingredient. When everything else fails, well, I guess I'll well, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Well, maybe I'll just start praying. Our lives are not characterized by prayer. But you see what Daniel done? Daniel didn't wait for it to get out of hand. No, Daniel was always in prayer. You see the passage of scripture that we see in the New Testament, pray without ceasing? That's where Daniel was. He prayed without ceasing. His life was characterized by prayer. And you study the book of Daniel and you'll see his entire life was based on prayer. What was he doing in the den of mind? Oh, pity me. No, not what he was doing. Praying. His whole life characterized by prayer. I feel today that so many of us, and even in my own life, that when nothing else will work, I guess I'll carry it to the Lord in prayer. My life's not characterized by prayer. But this man's life. And you know, actually, if our life was characterized by prayer, we may not be in the place that we are when we have to start praying, if we'd have prayed before we got there. But now we do see even that this man was a praying man. We see many trials and controversies in many places that he's in great danger. But his whole life was characterized through prayer. I thought of this, and I actually done this this week. I was handed something to open. And you will not catch me with a pocket on my pants and not be a pocket knife in it. Just going to tell you. I may not have my bills on, but 
There will be a pocket knife in my life. I was handed something this week to open. First thing I done, I tried to pull it apart, and I thought, you know what, I'm fixing to pull this thing all the way apart, and everything's coming out of it. The second thing I done, I went to my tooth to tear it open. <laughs> and ever since I've been old enough, even in school, to loathe myself, I put a pocket knife in my pocket. The last thing I went to was the very tool needed to accomplish what I was needing to do. I wonder how many times our prayer life resembles that. Well, I'll just try to tear it into it with my might. Well, that's not going to get it. I'll get it up here on something sharp on my body, a tooth, and try to rip into it. <laughs> when we got a pocket knife in our pocket. wonder how many times that we face things in life and the least and latest thing we go, or last thing we go to is prayer. Now, Daniel, his life was characterized that he would go to prayer first. And that's where all the answers came from. Go to prayer. But now I want you to get how, how he got this. I want you to understand what made him this type of praying fellow. How in the world are we to pray without ceasing? How in the world are we going to ever walk around in a constant fellowship with God? I'm going to give you the ingredient to that. And it is in this passage of scripture. I want you to see this. Look there with me in verse 2. You're fixing to get the whole ingredient that made him a man of prayer. The first year of his reign, talking about there, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years wherefore the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Understood by books. You know what book he's talking about here? God's word. He understood. So, Pastor, what are you saying? What are you telling me today? How am I going to be that type of individual that I am characterized by prayer? That my entire daily walk is a walk of in constant prayer and fellowship with God. I'm going to tell you how you're going to achieve that. The only way you achieve it is you've got to know the Word. You've got to put so much of God's Word in you that draws you towards Him, and then you'll know how to start praying and what to pray for. It put him because he understood the word of God. He knew that he was not capable of doing one thing on his own. You know where he come up with that? Was that just something that Daniel woke up in the morning and said, you know what? Oh, I'm not going to get through this on my own. No, he found it in the word. He knew that I am nothing without my God. I can achieve nothing in my life without my God. I can do nothing but fall without my God. He knew the word. When you and I will get in God's word, seeking God's guidance on our life, it will carry us into a time of prayer and then start characterizing our lives with prayer because we believe God's word. When we start reading God's word, we'll see the faults of our sins. And then we'll start really realizing what we are because, see, his word is always going to glorify Christ. It's going to exalt Christ because he is the word. And it'll start making us compare our lives to who God is and who Christ is. And we'll see how we fall short. And when we find that out, we'll say, you know what? All I can do is pray. When I start praying, it's going to start moving my life up. It'll start characterizing my life. And I'll be an example for Christ as I should be. But we go even further. I want us to look at this prayer. I want, you to, I want us to see this prayer itself. How he lays his prayer out. First of all, we see 
verse 4, he says, And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and I made my confession, I want you to remember that, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. Oh, I don't understand what he's saying here. I don't understand why he's saying, O oh, Lord, the great and dreadful God. Well, I want to tell you what he was doing here. Daniel was uh, recognizing that God was holy. God was perfect. God was all-knowing. And uh, when he done started doing that, when he realized in his life the same way that you and I will, when we start saying, you know what? We have a holy, perfect God. And you know what he requires of me? You know what he requires of me? For me to be holy. That's what he requires of me. He requires me to be just like him, to imitate him. But you know what? He's all knowing. When we realize that God is holy, when we take to heart truly who God is and that he is holy and he is perfect, we'll also realize that he is all knowing and it will deepen our sense of sin that we do on a daily basis. Because we fear him. You see, it'll make us understand blatant sin what it truly is. You know America struts around today and acts like God can't see anything. Really? Things that used to be uh, uh, you would see and maybe find in dark alleys and back corners in America now strut right down Main Street with you. Chest boasted out saying look at the sin I'm living in and recognize nowhere in it that God sees that sin. It's no different in mine and your life, though, either. Most of us today will have a blatant sin in our life that so often we say, I know it's there. I'm going to try to suppress it. I'm going to try to do this with it. And by the end of the day, we've acted upon it. You know why? We didn't put enough God's Word in our heart that morning, and our life wasn't characterized uh, by prayer and knowing what we truly are. Come out. It come out of us because we weren't characterized by studying the Word of God and characterized by a person of prayer. See, the reason that Gary Carter will blatantly sin is because of this. Now, I'm fixing to get ugly right here. When Gary Carter knows in his heart something is wrong, when Gary Carter in his uh, Conscious and the moving of the Holy Spirit is revealed to him and he knows that it's wrong and I go ahead and partake of that sin. You know what I'm doing? I'm saying, God, I do not fear you at all. Boy, that's harsh, isn't it? When I blatantly step out there and say, you know what, it feels good to me, I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I like it. I am saying, God, I do not fear you. I'll do what I want to do. But you see, Daniel recognized in here a reverent fear before God. He knew that God knew all things. He knew that God seen all things. He knew that God could look into the depths of his heart and see more than he knew about himself. He believed in a God that saw all things. And he feared him and called him dreadful. Amen. But also, there in verse 4, I want you to see something else. I want you to see the faith of Daniel in this prayer. He said, uh, and I prayed to the Lord, my God, made my confession, uh, and said, O Lord, the great.
great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Keeping the covenant. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. And of course, I believe that every one of us in this room tonight or today would say, you know what? I want my faith increased. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's going to take something for you to get it. It's going to take you living more godly this afternoon than you started out this morning. It's going to take you, take you seeking God's will more in your life this afternoon than you did this morning. Don't believe that your life can be changed and you not change the direction in which it's going. <coughs> Something's got to change. So how do we get this faith? We see that Daniel believed that God had made a covenant with his people and he knew that God would hold up to his end of it. He just had to make sure he would hold up to his end. That's what he done. He seen an obligation. He by faith knew that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. You remember the passage of scripture says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of them that diligently seek him. Listen to this statement. I wish I'd have come up with this, but I didn't. But listen to what I, I read. If we wish our prayers to be heard, the God to whom we pray must be We wish for our prayers to be heard. The God whom, here, uh, whom uh, we pray must become our God. Don't believe that you can live your life in the morning however you want to, doing whatever you want to do, carrying on any blatant sin that you want to, and then when you stump your toe, you want to ask God to heal your broke toe. It's not going to work that way. Don't work that way. Now, God is merciful, though, Brother Charles. He is a loving God and he watches over us when we do not deserve it. But if you want your prayers answered, you need to make him Lord in your life and you'll see a difference in your prayer life. And his power is always the same. It's unchanging. He's always the same. If you want your prayers heard, you need to make him your Lord. Make him your Lord in your life. You see, by faith, Daniel knew that God He knew that it was God and God alone that could change me. I'm not capable of changing myself. Daniel knew, as I know, and the Word of God tells us that if I want my direction changed, if I want my way changed, if I want my mind changed, if I want my heart changed, and I want my situation changed, it'll come by God and God alone if you want it right. Because you can't do any of that. Daniel, by faith, believed that. He lived his life that way, that he knew it was God and God alone. And no more or no less. But then we see this confession that was made here. We see it again in verse 5. It said, We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from the precepts and from the, thy judgments. And we see that uh, there in verse 4. That he made confession. I want to explain this in just a moment. First of all, Daniel came to the Lord and he confessed what he was first. Took full responsibility.
responsibility for what he had done, how he had failed his God, how he had sinned against his God. Then he goes in and tells about how good God, about how powerful God is, and he knew that God seen him, but he's just going to go ahead and confess it for him, because God knows all things. And then by faith, he starts talking about how uh, that he knows God's the God of his word. That he believes that it's only God that can do anything in his life that needs to be changed, that it would be God that can do it. Then we see him confess here again. Now, now, he includes himself again. You know what Daniel's showing us right here? I believe today that there would be no one in this room that would say that America doesn't need to pray. And it doesn't matter who they put in the White House. It doesn't matter what senator is in office. It doesn't matter what congressman you've got. It will be God and God alone who will change America. Now, I do believe you need to put individuals in there that are dependent on God to change it. But it will take God. Not one man can change one thing. And it'd be right. It'll take God to do it. Amen? And Daniel's showing us right here how to pray for a nation. How long has it been since you prayed for America? Daniel 6 to show you how to pray for a nation right here. First of all, he admitted, said, Lord, we have sinned. We have failed you. We're the fault, not you. It is us that has done these things. He takes full ownership in the condition of his nation. The reason today so many people don't take full responsibility for what America is is one thing that reputates. Or, they're not enough American to even care what America looks like. I believe we're sitting in a room today of men that have served our nation, that care about our nation, and you have a pastor that loves the United States of America with all his heart. But how long has it been that I've said, Lord, I've sinned against you. We have allowed since 1972 the destruction and death of 62 million babies, and I stood by and allowed it to happen. God, forgive me. Forgive my land, Billy. I remember a story W.A. Criswell told. He said that the, uh, he was the pastor of Dallas Fort Worth First Baptist, and he said that uh, they had planned, they knew that a great attack was coming on France during World War II. They knew that it would encompass a bunch of American lives, and many American soldiers would die that day. They knew not the time or anything about it. They had set a prayer meeting up to pray for those soldier, soldiers that were going on the beaches of Normandy. At 2 o'clock in the morning, W.A. Christopher got the call and said our soldiers had hit the beaches in Normandy, France, storming the beaches as we speak. He jumped up, clothed himself, headed down to the church, and on the way to the church, he's already praying. For those who would give their life. Those who would be wounded and were laying there wounded on a sandy beach, crying out in pain. He asked the Lord to bless the United States of America to overcome. And he said, but a fear come upon him. He thought, hey, we're sitting here at 3 o'clock in the morning. When I get to the church, I wonder if there even be anyone there. He said as he rolled into the parking lot, he said it was already full of people. <clears throat> he said when he came into the church, he said the, uh, they were nailed down halfway down the church. The altar wouldn't hold what was praying. I believe.
believe we need to do that as Christian people. I believe there needs to be a great outpouring of God's people and say, Lord, we have sinned against you. We have failed you. Lord, restore us again. Start with me. Restore. Daniel shows us this prayer. He shows us how to pray for a nation. He takes full responsibility. You know why? Because he was a Jew. We today are Americans. And we're responsible. But then you go even further with this and we see some thanksgiving and praise that happens here. Look there with me in verse 15. And now, O Lord, our God, that hath brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and hath begotten thee renown. As at this day we have sinned, we have done really well. I thought of this. First of all, he thanked the Lord for what God had done. But he followed that by saying what he was. See that in the bottom end of that verse? Well, the bottom end of verse 10, he said, We have sinned. We have done wicked things. Well, what's he saying here? Well, one thing, he's giving thanksgiving and praise for what God has done. And that he's also saying down at the end that I didn't deserve this thanks, uh, anything you gave me. Because I've sinned and I'm wicked. Today, we, uh, as a society, I believe that uh, there are many that complain about our society today, believes they're entitled. You ever see that? that? People just think they're entitled to certain things in life. They're entitled to this benefit. They're entitled to that benefit. They're entitled to this benefit. You see that today? This sense of entitlement that someone owes them something? Boy, that's crept into our church. Somewhere along the line, we as God's people think God owes me something. And we forget to praise Him because you think you've been justified to give it because you've earned it somehow. In God's eyes, truly, there's not one person in this room that's ever earned anything. It's just all been given freely. You see, Daniel knew what he truly was, and he knew how powerful God was. In everything, give thanks for his will of God concerning you. Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving shows that he knew that he didn't deserve anything. Today, we get into so many prayer lives that it's poor mouth praying. Lord, look at the shape I'm in. How can you let this happen to me when you're not owed one thing of God? God, out of his great grace, has bestowed upon mankind Jesus Christ that came born of a virgin, tied on a cruel cross, taking your sins, becoming our sins upon that cross, went to a tomb, arose the third day, come out victorious, seated beside the right hand of the Father, interceding our prayers today. God owes us not one thing is owed of us today. It's out of God's love you've got anything. Today we're so poor mouth. In our prayer lives, Lord, look at the shape I'm in. Look at the shape I'm in. Look at what's happened to me. Look what she said to me. And we're never praising him because we think we're entitled to something that we've never earned. You know what you've earned today? Romans tells us. The wages. Wages is what you've earned. Of sin. You've sinned. Is death. That's all you've earned. 
Anything else you receive outside that is nothing but a direct blessing of Almighty God upon you. That's it. Poor mouth praying. When we start making all these prayers about ourselves, we'll forget who He is. And we'll forget to praise Him and thank Him for all that He's done. But I want you to see this prevailing plea in this. Look there in verse 17. Now therefore, O Lord God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication, and cause thy face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Prayers are accepted and answered on God's account. And therefore is saying me not to pray for something that I want. No, I'm not saying that. I say you pray in the right heart. But you're not selfish with it. But prayers are accepted and prayers are answered on God's account and therefore is to be made in his name. Do you know what it is? And I know many of you have heard this and we pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you, that can be dangerous. I'm going to give you the reason why. When you say, uh, you make a request of God saying, I pray this in Jesus' name. You know what you're actually saying? You're saying if Jesus was standing here now, that's what he'd ask for. But what a great authority to be given us. When we say, I pray that in Jesus' name, you're saying if Jesus was standing here with me today, that's the exact same thing he'd ask for. Be careful how you use the name of Christ in something. There's nothing wrong with that. But your heart better be right when you ask it. It better be true. Better be pure when you ask it. And that's what Daniel wanted. You know, Daniel asked for something. He said, let your face shine. He's going to recognize God and what all God is. He's going to tell God what he is. He's confessed to him all that he is and what he should be. And then he makes this strong request. And he asks him for his glory and for his honor, not his. So something I see. It actually gets away from the very thing that is the biggest problem each of us have. <coughs> Selfishness. This, my friends, is an unselfish prayer. It's a prayer filled with humility. Daniel mentions himself in here. You know what he mentions? Characterized today as a man or woman of prayer? Would you even say to yourself, you know what, I pray quite a bit? Or would you admit to yourself that I need to pray more? What's your prayer life look like? So
Things never seem to go your way. It always fails. Ever idea? You have? Maybe you put it, need to put the pennies on your idea and find God. Weep and succeed. Are you a person of faith? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. Lord, I pray. I by faith today believe that prayer can do anything that God can do. And I know you can do anything. Lord, I understand that you are the one who accepts prayers and you are the one who answers prayers. And therefore, all things are according to your will. I confess to you that I am not what you would have me to be in prayer. Lord, you do something in me that's convicted me. Bring it about ceasing. Amen. Lord, I pray a conviction upon my life to move me in your word, to study your word more, to fall in love. Church, I thank you for my nation.